Anyway, so we got a lot of topics to talk about. Yeah. I think it's fair to say you got a lot of questions. But when's the last to... time you were in China? Uh, I left China in April of 2017, so I was going from there to the White House. Wow. So I was a senior defense official in Beijing, and uh, I was asked to come to the White House to do the national security strategy. So the national security, when you came through and you were working with them, that was six months before you got fired, right? No, I was. Uh, it was uh, actually the. Um, it was February of 2018 when I left. So that that was what. So it's almost it. a year. Okay, so almost, almost a year. year. And but, but the, the story. The story is when you were given a briefing on what China's motive really is and their vision really is, in the audience. If I'm not mistaken, Biden was there and McConnell was there. Can you kind of give us that? No. Uh, <laughs> what, what, give us the setting no, no. when you're given the no, briefing. No, I mean what it was. was, it, was like? it Look, it was. It was the. Uh, it was uh, the only guy that wasn't there that I think that you would probably recognize from the administration. At least the early days was. Uh, um, uh, with Steve Bannon. Steve wasn't there, but okay. like Navarro was there. Um, Peter Navarro. Peter Navarro. You know, like all, everybody else that had an opinion with regard to China was in the room. Um, Pillsbury was there. Okay. Um, the was. Um, and give us the setting of this. What, what was going on exactly here? So in when when I got there, the um, the knowledge of what the Chinese Communist Party was, what they did, how they did it across the, the spectrum just wasn't there, wasn't at a good level. And so mm. I started these series of briefings. I called them Winning Without War because I wanted people to understand that you can, you can take down a country without using any kind of weapons, and you can use economics, finance, trade. You can, there's all kinds of ways to do it. And so I brought in people to talk about that, talk about how you would do that. This is in the White House? In the White House. Wow. It was actually in the, executive, the old executive office building where the National Security Council mm. is. And um, and basically had people come in and we, and then we would debate. So we would have 45 minutes. You talk about your topic, whether it has to be you know uh, lawfare or, or psychological warfare or political warfare or economic warfare, and then we would debate it. Who and are that, you debating? So we're debating each other, okay. right? Because you have. But you're uh, debating like Peter Navarro, Steve Bannon, administration. Right. Everybody's Republicans, kind of, Democrats. Everybody's in there, yeah. um, and 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 I also invited um, people from think tanks. So it wasn't just it wasn't just people from the National Security Council. It was people that were in the national security community and had an opinion with regard to this. And so they, we came in and we started debating, and. <laughs> I won't say who because I want to call him out, but some, somebody called the speaker a panda hugger, and he got pissed. Is this a person Mitch, people yeah, would Mitch, know? Yeah, yes, it's somebody oh, people, but people say, would when know. When you say the speaker, the, 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 the guy that I had brought in, his gotcha. name was James, oh, okay, James gotcha. Mulvenon. Guy gotcha. called him a panda hugger. <laughs> panda wow. hugger. Is that, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> well, I mean, it's, 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 he, he's really not um, anti-Chinese communist dovish, party. He's, he's really, dovish he's really, on China? He, okay. he, 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 he cloaks himself in, in anti-CCP rhetoric. Mm -hmm. But not really is anti CCP, mm -hmm. and you can you can say that for most of the people in the think tank community because the way that you become and stay a China expert in Washington D.C. is you travel to China. Well, the way that you can travel to China is if you don't say things that piss off right. the CCP. <laughs> Otherwise, you're not invited anymore. And so, straight up, if you straight say up. something bad, hey, thanks, you're, you're no longer so his neck, so his his is like his his veins in his neck started bulging. And then they started screaming at each other. And how and, long is this going? How long is this? Oh, it was like it was like fifteen twenty minutes. At, you know, it was very, at the very end. And I like I stood up. And I'm like, hey guys, the enemy is not in this room. And that's what America needs to know. the 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 enemy's not in this room. It's six thousand miles away, and it wants to divide us. And if we don't stay focused on who the enemy is, mm -hmm. then we are going to focus on 
each other. And that's what they want. And that's really coronavirus is all about exposing the vulnerabilities in our society and the political division in order to undermine our, our, our economy, our social cohesion and our political system. It is it is it is classic uh, unrestricted warfare. And, and, and by the way, that's the new book that I'm working on is uh, is basically writing, rewriting unrestricted warfare so people can read it and understand what's yeah. going on. When, when you and I sat down and we did the first interview, I don't know how many millions of views it got, not just on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, on all over the place. The video was taken. It was put everywhere. Tens of millions of views that thing got. But you talked about Biden and you talked about McConnell. Those are the two characters you talk about in the book. You talk about other people as well, Ray Dalton. You have some interesting names in the book that if somebody hasn't read Style 4, you got to read it. I, mean, I got Phil Heath to read your book, and he completely looked at China in a different way after reading right. Stealth 4. And that's a bodybuilder. That's a seven-time Astro Olympia that's reading him. He follows you. But M- Biden and McConnell, what role did they have at the time when you were under – not undermining, when you were presenting who – the biggest threat to U.S. would be. What did McConnell and Biden think about you? So, so I mean, what I, the point I make, and and it is the same point today. Is and it's by the way, it's the same for J.P. Morgan. It's the same for uh, Goldman Sachs. It is. It's not about quid pro quo in our system. It's not about I pay you uh, to do something for me. It's about we adopt the same worldview, and the same worldview says that um, globalization has to continue. You know, she's words at Davos. Um, this this globally connected world is mutually beneficial. That's their statement. We agree with that. And when I say we, McConnell, Biden, that's been their position, really the establishment's position for you know 25 years. And all they're saying is like, keep your stuff open so we can keep stealing from you. And we're like, yeah, we we need to keep our stuff open because it's better for everybody. No, it's better for them. Period. Mm. Not better for us. Did you ever have any kind of interaction with Biden when you were at the White House, or no? Just his, uh, just his um, staff. You know, um, actually, uh, Eli Ratner, who, who was, um, I think, it was his, either his assistant or national security advisor. I thought he was rock solid. Eli Ratner was, um, and every time we had a um, a meeting in the in the in the White House about China, I thought his comments uh, with regard to what we were talking about at the time, he had the most kind of he was zeroed in. He was dialed in. So this is who uh, Biden's right hand man he, on China. He, he was, was no this? national security national advisor security at the advisor. time. Top, top Pentagon advisor. Yeah. On now, China. now he's in the yeah. Pentagon. Um, I, I, I actually think he's really good. I mean, there's a handful of people um, on the left that are also um, they understand this. The problem is um, when you when you look at kind of the the position of the Democratic Party, the the position is not aligned with guys like Eli Ratner. He understands the problem. The party doesn't. He understands the problem. The party doesn't. Right. Even right. though he's a Democrat. Right. Right. Okay. Well, he aligns himself. And I think there, I think that's a problem. What we're seeing in the Republican Party is the same thing in the Democratic Party, which is there's people that recognize that kind of mainstream America is being destroyed. Yeah. By this. And and there's people that, that want to keep perpetuate the system because it 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 benefits them, right? Mm-hmm. They, it's, it's about power and greed, and, and, and it, that's what they're looking now, for. Now, I know we have a lot to cover today, and we're going to get into it. Um, you used a, a word a couple times, and I just want to revisit that. You used the word enemy multiple times for China. Uh, I assume you obviously are very careful with your words. Are they a full-on enemy of the United States? Is that something you're very comfortable using? Well, I mean, here's the deal. If, if somebody says they're your enemy, mm-hmm. like they say it. Wow. Like, America is our enemy, and we want to destroy America. Yeah. Like North Korea says this openly. Like like if you 
If you if you if somebody comes up to you and say I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you, mm-hmm. now do you just say that's a that's a friend? Right. No, I, I don't think anyone's establishing <laughs> but, that they're but I mean, a friend. But, but I mean, this is the thing. This is mm-hmm. a crazy thing. Is This is what they say all the time. Wow. And, then, and you're saying and then, they, and then, you mean she's CCP? She, the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, this is what they believe. Like, How long this, have they been using that rhetoric? From the beginning. Beginning of what? She's administration? From, from, no, from the beginning yeah. of the Chinese Communist Party. Oh, wow. So why why did Trump say, I get, a lot of tr- I get along so well with she? Was it, was it sort of an act? What was that uh, well, relationship? So, I mean, in look, your opinion? so there's 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 two things here. Um, one is, you know, how what strategy we're um, we're you know taking with regard to China. That's one mm-hmm. thing. The other is, you know, if you have a confrontation with a, another country that has nuclear weapons, mm-hmm. and you don't establish some kind of communication dialogue, that could be very dangerous. Like so Cold War Russia days, basically. It, Exactly. And I think the, the, the one thing I actually agreed with um, the president, it, it doesn't matter who it is. You need to remain you need to maintain an open dialogue. Like, he got criticized for talking to Kim Jong Un. You got to talk to these people, yeah. even though you uh, you are executing a strategy to <laughs> you stop what they're doing. You know, you have Hi, what's to, your, what's, you have which to talk to you have. It's you know is essentially you don't make peace with your friends and make peace with your enemies essentially. No, no, no. You have like okay, say what happens. We you know we get into crisis confrontation, then it becomes a military. Now you can't talk, and and now we both have nuclear weapons. That's not a good recipe. Mm-hmm. In fact, we worked really hard with the Soviets to make sure that we had this connection. We had a red phone between Moscow and Washington, D.C. to ensure that, hey, we want to make sure that this doesn't escalate into full-blown conflict. Because yeah. as it is, the world's over. Let That's me, why. I know there's a, we're, we're going to transition here. Simplifying things, scale of 1 to 10, uh, 10 being like full-on nuclear war, 1 being peace, Switzerland, what have you. How bad were things during the Cold War in the you know 50s, 60s with Russia, one through ten, and how bad are things in that same scope with China today? Well, so there's two parts to that. There's the uh, military, uh, say, confrontation. I would say that was you know not could be you know at sometimes a ten, but or approaching a ten with Russia uh, with with uh, with the Soviet Union. Hmm. I would Soviet say, um, but economically, mm-hmm. we were killing them. We mm-hmm. were kicking their ass. And so <laughs> what's going on today is, you know, the military has been dialed down quite a bit, but economically China's kicking our ass. And they're kicking our ass because uh, they've gotten Wall Street and corporate America to basically do what they want. Wow. Which, by the way, did not happen during the Cold War because we had something called COCOM. COCOM prevented the uh, interaction between our business community and the Soviets. I want to show you something. You know, a lot of time when you see Xi, he seems very calm. Stoic. He seems- stoic like composure he has that smile this is a wonderful uh, loving speech that he gave uh, uh, just <laughs> like just a month ago not even a month ago 10 days ago if you go lower at their 100 year celebration go up a little bit you went way too low okay where he says socialism socialism is good some bullying so keep going up kind of okay uh, there it is right there if you make it a little bit bigger Kai where it says socialism is good so it says Beijing celebrates uh, uh, 
celebrations began with a patriotic show in uh, Tiananmen Square as helicopters and fighters, uh, fighter jets flew overhead. Hundreds of school children, party members, and frontline healthcare workers sang songs like socialism is good. And without the Chinese Communist Party, there would be no new China. But the centerpiece of the celebration was a fiery, fiery speech given by Communist Party Chairman Xi Jinping. And here's what he said. The Chinese people will never allow any foreign forces to bully, oppress, or enslave us. Anyone who dares will have their heads cracked and their blood will flow before the streets, st before the steel great wall built with the flesh and blood of 1.4 billion Chinese people. Let me read that to you one more time. Anyone who dares will have their heads cracked. You know who talks like that? Trump. Sammy the Bull talks like oh. that. Exactly. <laughs> who, exactly. Who says we will have your skull cracked, your head cracked. That's that's who your enemy is, Adam. If you were wondering, I just wanted to clarify it for Thank you. you for that's that. that's why Thank they you. say keep China's continue. Name. By the yeah. way, yeah. So if you continue reading a little bit more to help Adam here, folks, uh, let's go a little lower, Kai. Uh, wearing the Mexican National Party and G spent more than an hour laying the Communist I mean, Party chains on the passing. No, he's wearing a Mao suit in front of a picture, a, a telling, giant picture of Mao. Do we have a picture of telling you? Yeah, it's uh, all the way at the top. So the Communist Party of China and the Chinese people, with their bravery and tenacity, solemnly proclaim to the world that, with the, that the Chinese people are not only good at taking down the old world, but also good at building a new one. Only socialism can save China, and only socialism with Chinese characteristics can develop oh, China. You know what's crazy? Here's, here's what I was uh, talking about with a group in Aruba just four days ago. I said, the, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. I said... Uh, how many times have you and your wife gone to an argument? How many times have you and your wife gone to an argument? Mine, I can tell you mine, thousands, hundreds. Yeah, it's a lot yeah, of arguments. Lot. Okay, now I want you to think about this. Take the top 10 arguments you guys have, okay? I'm going to take my top 10 arguments. Now let's make it make that, whether it was a 30-minute fight or one hour, one hour and a half, we put that on a Facebook Live, okay? And everybody sees that fight. Visually go to that fight, right? If I see your top 10 fights between you and your wife, if somebody sees the top 10 fights between me and my wife, how much leverage does the enemy have to help get us closer to a divorce than help us stay married? How much more leverage do they have? America is the left wing and the right wing. Call one the husband, the other the wife, whatever it may be, right? Left wing would be wife, right wing would be husband, let's just say, because left would be like, let's spend money, right is like, let's save money, this takes a lot of work to Gas do this. Gas and the brakes and the car. Gas and the brakes, it's whatever true. you want to call it, right? Two sides of the bird. The, the, the left wing and the right wing's last top 100 biggest fights the world's watching. China sat there watching this saying, look at these idiots just giving us popcorn. every single thing they're arguing about, and they want to continue the way they're doing it. And here's the last thing I'll say, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. I said, look. Uh, the, the challenge with where we are right now as a nation versus these guys. Many countries that I'm talking to, who was my guest yesterday? Who was my guest yesterday I was talking to? David, who was the guy I had on yesterday? I was talking to somebody yesterday out on the podcast. Anyways, I can't remember who the guy's name was. Oh, he wrote a book called 2034. Uh, uh, he wrote a, a book yeah, called Elliot Ackerman. Stavridis. Oh, Ackerman. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Ackerman. Okay. Uh, he wrote it with Stavridis. Yes, he oh, did. Stavridis. You're right. Yeah, yeah. He James did. Stavridis. Yes, he did. So the story, this is a guy that has a purple heart. Silver, you know, silver star, bronze star. The guy's a legit marine, decorated. He's got, and he writes now fiction novels, and he's married to his wife. She also writes similar books. They both met in the military. And I'm talking about China, Iran, all this other stuff. I said, you know what's the craziest thing with what's going on right now with the whole thing? He says what? I said, so America's lost its culture because here's America's problem. The world says, you want to come to our country? You can come, but it's on our rules. You don't like it? Don't come here. But America says, you don't want to come to our country? 
What do we need to do to make you happy so you stay here? Because we want to make sure you're happy, Adam. Because God forbid, if you're not happy, you may leave us. Rather than, we're the greatest country in the world. You don't want to be here? Don't come here. This is what we stand for. You go to the Yankees, and a Derek Jeter and A-Rod says, yeah, I don't want to get a haircut. I want to have long hair. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Go to the Red Sox. Mm -hmm. This is the Yankees. You don't say, well, let us accommodate you because we don't want to offend you, Jeter and A-Rod, because you're bigger than what the Yankees are. No, America's bigger than any immigrant, including myself or anybody else that's coming here. But America keeps trying to say no. You know what he just said? You don't like it? <laughs> you know what we're going to do to your heads? He just fly- And I'm not saying that's the approach to take. All I'm saying is America's lost its culture because it's trying to please everybody. Thoughts. No, I agree. And um, so there's this alignment, and I try to explain it to people, and, and some people get it. There's an alignment between what uh, China is and what um, this idea that's grown up in academia, this critical race theory, which is really about creating different classes of people, really tribalism. And so, um, you know, we're in, in a lot of ways, the way that the Chinese Communist Party looks at the world and the way that this. Um, this um, divisive kind of Marxist ideology is it's 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 pervasive, and so when 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 the Soviet Union was doing its thing, they wanted to make everybody the Soviet Union. The Chinese Communist Party doesn't want to make everybody the Communist Party. They want to take advantage of our own social division, exactly Big what you say, wow. and then begin to push the same kind of system. So what's happening here is there has been a slow effort to marginalize, politically marginalize, a whole class of people in our country. Like, they're not, they're not worthy of having uh, representation in Washington, D.C., or even in the state capitals. And that is what the Chinese Communist Party does. Not everybody can join the party, Right. The, the, the Chinese Communist Party makes sure that, you know, they have, you know, extreme loyalty in their members and they make sure that, you know, everything. There's two constitutions, the Chinese Communist Party Constitution and the People's Republic of China Constitution. The lead, the, the sovereign, the law in China is the Chinese Communist Party Constitution. That's a system where one party rules and and it makes the rules for everybody. So rule of law, like here's justice is blind. Right. You get a fair shot in, in court. In China, the Chinese Communist Party makes the rules. So it's rule by law. It's whatever we say goes. What is happening in this country is the same kind of effect. We are we are migrating slowly to a single party. Now, now that single party establishments includes elements of the left and the right. And they basically showed themselves uh, during the four years of the Trump administration. And and even today, if you talk about election uh, voting rules or, uh, you know, to the 2020 election say, hey, there's a problem with the 20. Even if you just say, hey, there's a I think there's a problem with the 2020 election. You are somebody that's to be marginalized. And that is the thing that scares me so much. I mean, we're seeing elements. I'm seeing elements of how the Chinese Communist Party took over China and, and, and kicked the other party, the Nationalist Party, which fled to Taiwan, kicked them out. I'm seeing elements of how they won their civil war in our society today. And it's being exacerbated by China because they, what they want is governments around the world that look like them. They don't have to be them. They just have to look hmm. like them. You know, it's interesting. A guy right now, Edgar, we're trying to get a hold of who is in Hong Kong. He's now in UK. You got a hold of him. You got his information. Let's see if we can call him. He says, "How come you guys are not talking about what's going on in Hong Kong? All we're talking about is That's the topic Cuba." That we're we're going to talk about, it. and I want to sure. share the story on what happened with uh, Apple's uh, 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 
Uh, what is the story about the one Apple uh, app that's uh, being taken down? There it is. Go to page seven because I think it's just appropriate. And then also our friend uh, Jackie that we should. Yeah, all bring of that up. we'll talk about Qu- right quick now. Quick question before we move the topic. You said not everyone can be a party member of the Communist Party in China. There's 1.3 billion people in China. What percentage of the country? 90 are million. Members? There's 90 million. <laughs> okay, so that's it's what one percent. Like, what is that? It's less than one percent. Okay, Nin- 90 million. 90 million on what? A one point four billion. One point, yeah. No, no, it's not one percent, guys. Ninety million. Ninety less million. Less than one percent. No, it's, it's not. No, it's not on one billion. On one billion. One point four billion. Yeah, I know. Ninety million on one point four billion is like six and a half percent. Is what you're six talking about. Six point five percent. Ten percent of one point. Ten percent of one point four billion is one hundred forty million. Yeah. Ninety million okay. is probably six and a half. Got it. That's yeah. why I got a human calculator here. Yeah. We always appreciate. But go ahead. That. Keep, keep so saying. You're saying, you know, five percent, six and a half. That's a big okay. number still. Yeah. But. So 95% of the country is not part of the communist regime in China. So just break that down. Like, how do the people well, think? I, I, so, I mean, you can uh, just go to Xi Jinping. I mm-hmm. think it took him five or six times to join the party. I mean, you, you, you Sammy the Bull, you made the comment, Sammy the Bull. It's like, it's like joining the mafia. You don't, you don't, like, get made the first time. That's right. Right? Wow. You have to keep yeah. working at it. Yeah. And you have to demonstrate your loyalty. <clears throat> That's... That's the system they have, and they, they have the ultimate omerta. You know the ultimate omerta when you're talking? You know what omerta is. Like when you swear. You pay the oath. Like you the, pay the oath. Yeah. You cannot break silence. You mm-hmm. cannot tell anybody. It's very like, mafia-esque. Yeah, is what to, I'm say, realizing. to say, you know, the mafia exists like when they interview Meyer Lansky. Does the La Cosa Nostra exist? What's La Cosa Nostra? You know, when I spend a whole day with Sonny Francis, I'm like, Sonny, so what do you know about Meyer Lansky? Good guy. What can you tell me about Lucky Luciano? Another good guy. What can you tell me about Ben Siko? Phenomenal guy. John, Sonny, these guys killed a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, well, yeah, that, so, so that's, so, I mean, that's the culture a party. of CCP. That's, that's a party. China. Yeah. That's a party, 100%. Yeah. yeah. The ultimate omerta, and the reason why there's the ultimate omerta is why. What's the ultimate omerta? The, the thing that China can get away with, that the Italian mafia eventually couldn't get away with, is what? The ultimate omerta is if you break silence, we don't come after you. We kill your whole family? Of course. So... I dare you to say something because the reality is you ever heard a secret with somebody and you shared it with another person? Like, let's just say you heard something. You're like, oh, something happens. You're like, oh, my gosh, let me tell you what I just find out. You know, you tell your wife, you tell your husband, you tell your kids, like, you know what just happened? Right. That this just happened. No way. Yeah. You broke the omerta. Yeah. You yep. broke the oath. Yep. But in China, you can't do that. Can't do that. Can't even tell your wife. And, 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 <laughs> and what, what guys will always what do, they'll, all, they'll always you know, default to, you know, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to go, I'll go to prison for the rest of my life. But what you're talking about is you're letting your family continue to, to, to live their life, right? Wow. That's, that's really what it's about. But, but more than that, Pat, it's, it's, it's more than that. It's about owning the bank. They own the Bank of China. So imagine if the mafia owned the Fed, what they could do. At one point, we're trying to, if they would have done that. I mean, think about it. If the the mafia owned the Fed, how would this country be different? Are you kidding me? You, you You can't say anything. You can control anything you want. Anything you want. They're taxing everybody and anybody. You make a list of the top earners and you just make one phone call. Right. So who, who wants to do financial services in, in China right now? Probably only the people that are involved with the government. No. Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley are fighting like cats and dogs to get in there to do financial services Because they want to get China. in bed with so, the CCP. So what happened with DDD? What happened with DDD? So DDD, 
This is great. Can you pull this up? So Didi gets a $4.4 billion IPO. Now, what is Didi for people that don't so, know what so, Didi is? So Didi, I, and I use it when I was in China, it's like Uber. Okay. And if you remember, Uber was making great inroads, same as Tesla. I, I love this mm-hmm. stuff, to watch these guys, these entrepreneurs that go in there and they think they can take over China. Like, I've got a different approach. Like, I'm going to go yeah, get friendly Musk with the Chinese. Like, exactly. I'm going to make this work. Yeah. Exactly. Why would they even think that's an option? Well, and so Uber goes in there, and what happens? Didi takes them over. So yeah. Didi is like the Chinese Uber. China Uber and Lyft put together. Except think about what Didi can do now. Didi can collect all this information. They've got cameras in the cars. They're collecting information data, about data, you, right? Data, data, Chinese Communist Party wants that data. And so what happens is they have this $4.4 billion IPO. So uh, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley are like pushing this. They're making millions of dollars on the, on the, on the IPO. What's his name? Jim Cramer. You got to be invested in Didi. As soon as the IPO closed and they got that $4.4 million into the Bank of China, the Chinese Communist Party said, okay, we're going to take the app off everything. And we're going to basically. Who owns Didi? The Chinese Communist Party. Why, why are they taking the app off everything? Because they want to control the data that Didi has. The Chinese Communist Party wants to control the data. Go back to so, that article, Ginkai. So, so, but. But here's the deal. They were going to do that anyway, but, but the party said, okay, let's get this $4 billion first, mm-hmm. and then let's basically take control of Didi, right? So what's happened, what happened during the Deng Xiaoping era is you had these private companies rise up, and you had these billionaires come, like Jack Ma, for example. Yeah. Same thing with Didi. Well, Didi comes up, it, it gets this IPO, and then the Chinese Communist Party knows they're going to shut down Didi because they want to uh, take control of the data. And they, but they let the IPO happen. So who, whose money is in that IPO? Whose money? J, not Banks. J.P. Morgan. Investors. Not, no, not Goldman Sachs. Not Morgan Stanley. It's it's retirement funds. It's it's yeah, people exactly. who Investors work yeah. for a living in this country. The Chinese Communist Party are deliberately stealing from the American people, the people who work their ass off every single day, and the guys that are helping them push these, these, these mm-hmm. equities, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley. Here's That's, a question for you. And by the way, where did, and this is, uh, you, you, you may not know this, where did Jay Clayton come from, the last SEC chairman? What, what did he do? I don't know. Goldman Sachs? What was his big deal, claim to fame? What was it? Alibaba IPO. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, if you don't understand how Wall Street and D.C. and the Mm -hmm. Chinese Communist Party create this trifecta to control our financial system to the detriment of the American people and for the benefit of the Chinese Communist Party, then you don't understand what's going on. You're going around looking Mm -hmm. at life like the Matrix, right? You're you're like, oh, I'm living my life and I'm eating chicken, you know, but it's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's all fake. Let's, let, let's talk to those people for a second. So there's people out there. I mean, you know, 75% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. You know, we just got through this pandemic. We're getting through it. You know, stimulus checks. People are living their lives. They're not waking up being like, what's going on in the CCP today, right? Like, everyone that works here, they're editing, they're filming. Like, it's, this is not the forefront of their mind. We're talking about it. It's very much in the forefront of mind. Let's talk to those people for, for a second who are just waking up, doing their job. You know, 90% of Americans that don't have time to, like, think about what, you know, Chairman Xi said today, what is going on there that they should wake up and understand, holy shit, like I got to stop fighting with my Democratic room uh, buddy or my, or let, my let, Republican. Let me, give, let, me, let me give you this visual. Break okay? that down. Let me give you this visual. If, if you can pull up a picture of Germany after the 8th Air Force bombing, just pull up some pictures of that. 
and pull up pictures of Detroit today and tell me what you see. What I'm going to tell you you're going to see is you're going to see the same damn thing. So we sent bomber after bomber after bomber after bomber after Germany's industrial base, and we destroyed it, right? And, and, and the people suffered. People suffered greatly. The Chinese Communist Party did the same thing, and Detroit is a perfect example. So all the people you're talking about, mm -hmm. how many of them actually have, are employed? How many of them had small businesses and they no longer have it? How many people have gone bankrupt because they have – our – so a couple things. Uh, modern monetary theory, which says you can, you can, uh, you can print money and, and, and make everything go away, make the economy grow, easy. right? And, and the other one is velocity of money and, and the money multiple. So if we don't have people that are working in manufacturing, right? Manufac one manufacturing job leads to like four jobs in the community. As that begins to dry up, the people, the working class people are the ones that are destroyed, not the ones, not the ones that are living in Wall Street that are, that are making money off equities. Mm -hmm. That's what's going on is – we have basically taken the, the middle class, the working class, and we have exported everything that had to do with the American dream, and we've left them you know, high and dry. And we've done that because this cabal of Wall Street, Washington, D.C., and the Chinese Communist Party. Let's continue with the story, Adam. Mm -hmm. I know you got a million questions for him. Let me go with the story here from New York Post. Apple Daily to close, last pro-democracy Hong Kong newspaper. Hong Kong's sole remaining pro-democracy newspaper will publish its last edition Thursday, forced to shut down after five editors and executives were arrested and millions of dollars in assets were frozen as part of China's increasing crackdown on dissent in the semi-autonomous city. The silencing of a pro, uh, prominent pro-democracy voice is the latest sign of China's determination to ex uh, exert greater control over the city, long known for its freedoms after huge Anti-government protests during 2019 shook the government. Since then, Beijing has imposed a strict national security law using the arrest of the newspaper employees and revamped Hong Kong's election laws to keep op opposition voices out of the legislature. Apple Daily was founded by tycoon Jimmy Lai in 1995, just two years after before Britain handed Hong Kong back to China and initially was a tabloid known for its celebrity gossip, but Lai had also always portrayed the paper as an advocate of Western values and said it should shine a light on snakes, insects, mice, and ants in the dark, according to the paper. What can you say about that? Well, I mean, look, Hong Kong's gone. Fully. It's fully gone. And the thing about it is, it goes back to the, the, the same problem we just talked about, HSBC. So Apple Daily, HSBC. The Apple bank. Daily shut down. HSB, HSBC is still going. What does HSBC do? They basically funnel U.S. dollars into Hong Kong, and then those get exchanged into China to, for the People's Bank of China. So HSBC is basically the external bank of the Chinese Communist Party. That, that's what's going on. Fully operational. So while democracy is being shut down, free speech is being shut down, remember what I said? What if the mafia owned the Fed? Mm -hmm. This is what's going on. The Chinese Communist Party, in a way, owns the Fed because they own HSBC, which is basically using the Hong Kong dollar to get hard currency into China. And a hard currency means our dollars. I mean, this, this is 
this is uh, we have built the perfect system, the perfect financial and economic system to allow our economy to be destroyed. And the Chinese Communist Party built the perfect economic and financial system in order to destroy our economy. It, it, it just it's it's synergistic. It works together. And so Apple Daily goes on. Everybody says, oh, this is terrible. But we're going to still pump, pump billions of dollars into Hong Kong because people in Wall Street are getting fat on that. I'm going to call a guy here, Edgar. Edgar, if you're ready, I'm calling you. Did you say I have to FaceTime him? FaceTime audio. So do I just press audio or FaceTime? Tell me where to go. Okay, let's go. Uh, we need Kai's intelligence. Thanks, Kai. All right, let me lower this a little bit. All right. Hello? Edgar, can you hear us? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So thank you for... Uh, the message back and forth. Edgar, you were saying that you were in Hong Kong. Now you can't go back. Can you kind of walk us through what the conditions are? Tell us a little bit about your background and what the conditions are currently right now in Hong Kong. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about my background first. Um, I was born and raised in Hong Kong. Um, I studied in an international school there for many years, and then I moved to the U.K., and I now live in um, the U.K., and I go back to Hong Kong frequently and from my perspective on Hong Kong, you know, uh, when I was born, I was born after the handover. So obviously I lived in a Hong Kong that was never ruled by the British and it was under a one country, two systems treaty. But the problem with that treaty now is no more than a historical document. Um, because, for example, when Hong Kong in 1993 was a 27% share of China's GDP, now it's only worth 2.9%. So Hong Kong's insignificant now in that terms. And they're really trying to bring Hong Kong in um, and trying to incorporate them into the kind of the greater Bay Area, which is, you know, uh, a very big economic area in China. So um, in that sense, they're trying to bring stability. And they have, in a sense, brought stability. But Hong Kong has definitely changed um, from when I was there. Edgar, was why, is, there. why is China so afraid of Hong Kong? To the average person, we see this stuff and... You know, you hear celebrities, you know, you see uh, the actor Cena who comes out and apologizes in Chinese. I am so sorry to even think about comparing the two together. You know, why is China so worried about Hong Kong? Um, I think they're worried about Hong Kong because Hong Kong was, in a sense, free when I was there. In a sense, the media was free. You know, you had Apple Daily, you had news reporting. And I'd say, you know, the economy was good. People were good the one country two systems thing wasn't bad up to a certain point and then now you know they 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 squashed dissident you know they they squashed any opposition i think you know the chief executive carrie lamb um a lot of people have mixed opinions on her i won't give my opinion but um a lot of people do have mixed opinions on her and you know everything's changed now you know for example the police force used to be one of the most respected in the world now they're one of the most feared, you know, people are very scared of them. People are very scared to speak up and people are very afraid to say anything at all. This, you're saying police, the, the Chinese police? No, or, no, Hong, Hong Kong police. Hong Kong police used to be very respected. But now, you know, it's, it's totally different from what it was. You know, when it was ruled under the British, you had a lot of British officers, you know, a lot of British seniors in the police force. Now they've been replaced by local Chinese. And they're trying to do that because... China is trying to, in a sense, tighten its grip on Hong Kong, and they have successfully done that. And, you know, as your guest was right, Hong Kong, in a sense, is lost. But, you know, 
if you don't say anything, Hong Kong's the perfect place to live. If you do say something, then, you know, it's not the place for you. Well, it's the same in China. It's the same in China. If you, if you don't say anything about the government, you're fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, where I used to live in Hong Kong, I uh, used to live right next to the border near Shenzhen. And as you know, it was a special economic zone. And I've seen it get built from a very small kind of uh, town to a really major city. And, you know, there was a difference between Hong Kong and China. But, you know, nowadays, there's not that much of a difference apart from a, a border. But it's not really much of a border, if, if anything. There's not much of a border right now, if anything. So uh, for, for, for you, with what business you're in right now and what you're doing right now, what are your thoughts about what just happened with Apple Bailey? Um, so personally, I just graduated from university and um, I'm in a sales position at the moment. And when I saw the Apple Daily News come out, you know, obviously a lot of people were upset about it. You know, a lot of people are afraid because I believe the owner, Jimmy Lies, his name, has been tried in a court that um, without any uh, without any people there, it's just China appoints a judge and then the judge kind of rules in China's favor. And, you know, there's no, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say. 100% what it's like in the courtroom and everything. But I definitely think, you know, things have changed, you know, that kind of freedom of press, you know, that kind of justice system um, that the British put there has been taken away. So a lot has changed in Hong Kong for sure. Awesome. Any questions from your end, uh, Adam? I just have one question. Yeah. How ugly can this get? Meaning, if you try to silence people in America, as an example, there's going to be people saying, I'll say what I want, freedom, liberty, like, I'll, you know, I'll talk, say what you want. There's probably people, you said you can't, as long as you don't say anything, if you're in Hong Kong and you're a pro-democracy person, you want to voice your opinion, like, is that completely done with? Or how ugly can this get? Give the flip side, if the people revolt, like, what could possibly happen? How ugly um, could this get? From now on, people can't revolt. It's, it's totally quashed. You know, the, the, the situation in Hong Kong is, in terms of democracies, you know, very bleak in that sense, you know. And, you know, in Britain, for example, we've launched a B&O scheme. So I believe people with B&O passports are eligible to come to the UK. And that's really angered uh, China, for example. Because Lithuania just uh, said they could, they'll take Hong Kongers. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it's, 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 uh, it's, it's something China doesn't like Lithuania. because if you think Lithuania, about it, huh? um, a lot of Chinese students, a lot of very smart people in Hong Kong are emigrating out of uh, Hong Kong. And, you know, obviously that's going to harm the economy. But I think from now on, uh, Hong Kong's definitely changed and people should look to Taiwan because I think that is definitely the next thing to come. Is he allowed to go back to Hong Kong or the fact that he's even talking? Are you are you able to go back to Hong Kong or and what happens if um, you do? I am able to go back to Hong Kong. And, you know, in, in terms of, you know, what I say, I'm not saying anything controversial here. I'm just I'm stating facts, straight facts here. And so, you know. I think, you know, if I do arrive in Hong Kong, um, I would be allowed in. But there's this national security law extends to the globe. Basically, if you're in America, you say something yeah, you bad say about something China, against Hong Kong, you can end up you know, in jail. They don't, they don't like that. Then if they'll I put you in prison there. if you land in Hong Kong or China. So as an American, if I'm like, I don't like what's going on in Hong Kong and I go visit Hong Kong, I end up in jail. Straight well, up. it's it's not the sense that you say, oh, I don't like. But if you're very vocal about mm -hmm. it, um, you know, you might have some trouble when you go to Hong Kong or China. I think you're safe, Adam. I think we may not be, but I think you're safe. <laughs> Edgar, yeah, any final safe. any final thoughts for us? Because uh, and anything else you want to tell the listeners? Yeah, I just want to say one thing. Um, you know, Hong Kong was a really amazing city in the sense that, you know, 
Hong Kong had low taxes. It was semi-free. You know, healthcare was basically almost free, and they also had private healthcare. And you know, I think Hong Kong was a very, you know, economically was very good. But obviously now, the prospects of Hong Kong has definitely kind of gone down. But you know, you never know what might happen in the future. But I definitely think Taiwan is the next kind of Taiwan's next、um, danger point for the world. What does that mean exactly? Danger point for the world. Next target. China one by one by yeah, one is taking people they're, they're out. They're、Hong、the next Kong, target, and、uh, for、yeah. example, you got India, you got、mm-hmm. you got Japan, you got the U.S. and possibly Australia. And if China, you know, they have been very vocal that they might launch an attack on Taiwan. If they do, Japan recently came out with a,、uh, a statement or something that said that they would strategically back Taiwan. But you know, no one's for, for sure or knowing or, or knows that、uh-huh. if that's going to happen. So you just got to wait and see for that. Edgar, thank you for your time. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, Edgar. Thank you very much. Take、thank、care. Bye bye. Bye bye. What do you think about what he said? No, he's.、Um, you know, it's a tragedy because imagine growing up in a place. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, we were talking about Pitbull. It, it's like Pitbull, right? He he、uh, he left that place, or his family left that place,、Too、and、uh, and he's and he's、uh, concerned about the people that that remain、mm-hmm. under that regime. That's what Hong Kong is. Hong Kong now is Cuba. You know, it's it's funny when we we have Adam here. Educated guy, smart guy, went to school, well read, made his own money, sharp. He reads, he follows. You name, you name names. He knows names. He's a well read guy. <clears throat> when you yourself, Adam, I'm asking you, when you、mm-hmm. think about China, how do you process China? What do you think about China? Well, I'll be very clear about this now versus、yeah. before I came to Valuetainment. Yeah, it, it was. This is why I asked you the question. If you're the everyday person yep. Yep. waking up. And just kind of living your life, like you know, I'm going to. I got a kids, I got family,、yeah. I got a girlfriend, I got a wife. Like I'm just living my life. You're not thinking about China.、Right. You're not even thinking about visiting China. Definitely, since watching you know a lot of the content you do on Valuetainment, obviously talking about the podcast, like there's a flashing light going on here. And then if you were not aware of this, and then since the pandemic, now I think America is waking up and realizing. And I got to respect Donald Trump for a lot of the noise he was making around this. This is happening. You know, this is happening. This is like get off of your, you know, get off under your rock and wake up. Like you talked about Detroit and the industrial, you know, parts of that and the automotive parts of that that have just been completely falling apart. It's definitely woken me up. That's for sure. Yeah, the reason why I ask that is because I think a, a lot of you know,、um, the key with an enemy that size is to go unnoticed for as long as possible.、Yeah. Okay, and they've done that. It's no longer unnoticed. But they did such a great job, quietly, just kind of like we're just a bunch of peaceful folks over here.、Yeah. We don't have any agendas. We just want to thank you so much for America for allowing us to manufacture stuff. You guys are such amazing partners to us. And then behind closers are like these idiots have no clue. Guys, just stay quiet.、Yeah. But you know, you know how it's like the movie American Gangster. You know, the movie American Gangster. Denzel Washington. Says, Denzel Washington when he says, "When we're making this kind of money, stay low key." Don't、right. drive the car. Don't, don't go for a code. Do Same、don't、thing do in Goodfellas. Right. Don't go buy a new car. But guess what he does? He goes to that one fight where he's wearing that coat that、yep. his wife gets him. A guy takes a picture, realizes that's a ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollar jacket、mm-hmm. that he's got on, and then they realize this guy may be the guy behind the whole thing, and he gets taken down. What China has done so well is they drive a Ford Focus. Yeah. Okay. They wear ninety-nine dollar three-day suit broker suits on sale. You know, you know,、uh, Cyber Monday discount、yeah. sale. You know, they're walking around wearing Kohlhaan shoes from two thousand two. You know, they're they're just like, hey, listen, we're just regular people, and、mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they're seen. 
You know those regular people that you weren't paying attention to? What? Yeah. We control you now. Because anything that has to do with freedom, their biggest enemy is freedom. Freedom. Anything that has to do with you having the free thought, free press, free to make as much money as you want to make, mm -hmm. if anything you think about is to allow other people, other people to think for themselves, that's their enemy. And, and, and it's more important than that because in a way they have free speech in China. It's just there's certain speech that you can't do. And so it's it, it and ultimately in China it's really a very capitalist system, it's a very free system, it's an open system, but there's certain things that you cannot say. I keep trying to point this out. We're doing the same thing here in America, right? For the most part, we have freedom, but there are certain things you absolutely can't say yeah. on Twitter. You can't say today. It on, yeah, today you, you, on you Facebook, bring up, on uh, YouTube, stuff. To, and, you, and, you start talking about these things, you cannot talk about yeah. that. You're out. This is what China is. It's a very free system, except when it comes to uh, challenging the narrative. And really, for Chinese Communist Party, the biggest, the most powerful thing that they have is control of the narrative. Because, as Confucius says. You know, when they're when he's asked, he's asked in, in one of the analects, what would you do the first thing uh, if you became emperor? What's the first thing you would do? And Confucius answers, I would rectify the names. And what he means by that is I would control what people said, because if I control what people say, I can control the way they think. And if I can control the way they think, they will do the things I want them to do without having to do anything. So basically, you know, when you start to look at the system, they're converging and they're converging around the narrative. Who controls the narrative? The global. I'm talking about the global narrative, right? Who controls yep. the global era? Who controls the UN? Who controls the World Health Organization? We saw the WHO basically put forth China's message with regard to the coronavirus. Right. So that's what's going on here is you have yeah. a single narrative that's beginning to dominate. And when that narrative dominates and you're not able to challenge it at all in our system or in theirs, you have one system. You know who else had that strategy? It was a guy from Germany. I don't know if you know. Yeah, I know that guy. That guy as well. <laughs> there, there's, also, there's also a guy in, in the Soviet Union. But the, the problem between him and the, the Chinese Communist Party is that he tried to use do it through force. They did it through money, force mm -hmm. or money. So, th so there's a hammer and there's there's money. What's the most effective way to take control of the yeah. world? It turns out it's money. Oh, right. there's no way in the world it's force. It's always going to be. It's always money. mightier than the sword. Or the dollar is mightier than the uh, yeah, sword. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. And this, by the way, this in throughout Chinese history, throughout their culture, there is this idea of using your enemy's enemy against your enemy. Proxy. It, yeah, by exactly by giving them some kind of tribute, some kind of reward. You come over to my. This is how the Communist Party won the civil war in China. Is basically they coaxed all the people from the Nationalist Party yeah. over, and they basically threw them out. So in other words, like it's a good idea to sign a 25-year contract, 400 billion dollars with a country like Iran. Like that. That's like a. I was just that's a, that's a good Iran. strategy. The, right, the, the mullahs in Iran are no different than the Chinese Communist here's, Party. They're the same system. You. Here's a question for you. There's one country that seems to be pissing them off a lot, and that's India. And India takes the apps down. They stand up against them. They're celebrating when India is going through the COVID crisis. What is what is China's issue with India? It, it, they're on the border, and they're democracy. They're democracy on the border. That's a threat to the Chinese And they have more Chinese people Party. than China, or they will. Younger. Yeah. Younger as well. China's older. So, India's younger. So who, who's their friend? Pakistan. Who does Pakistan hate? India. So— you know, it's uh, it's it, you know, it's just common sense.
Pure proxy. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yep. So Jackie Chan. Let's talk about Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan declares, I want to be a Chinese Communist Party member. This is a variety story. Jackie Chan has long been uh, one of Hong Kong's celebrities who most frequently and prominently engages in propaganda efforts for the mainland's ruling Communist Party. But he recently took his public devotion to the Chinese regime to a new level. Chan declared his admiration for the party at a symposium organized by the China Film uh, Association last week to study and implement the spirit of a keynote speech delivered by Chinese President Xi Jinping. Abroad, they often say, proud to be Chinese. I'm very lucky to be a Chinese person. But I'm also very jealous that you all are party members. I just think the Chinese Communist Party is really so magnificent, says Jackie Chan. What the party says, what it promises, it doesn't need 100 years to accomplish. It will definitely accomplish it in just a few decades. I want to be a party member. What is happening? Is this like an article from The what? Onion, or is this actually This is, his, can you pull this article out? Words. This is variety. What, what's this is a what's, Hollywood movie star, Jackie Chan. What's, yeah. the, what's the club Rush that, that people want in, in Augusta, they want to be a part Masters. of? Masters. Right? So, I mean, the, the Chinese Communist Party is the most exclusive club in the world, right? If you're a member of the party, everything's taken Mafia. care of for you, right? So... Of course he wants to Augusta, be a party right? member. You want to yeah. if you want to live in China and Hong Kong and you want to be a part of that and you're not a part of the Chinese Communist Party, what you, are you? You're you're on the outside. You're on the outside. So he, in other words, Jackie Chan wants to be a made man. He wants to be a made man. Wow. be made man. What about Think Jack about Ma? It. You brought him up earlier and obviously he, he went is a missing. made man. He's a made man. Well, he can't well, say he, he made one speech last year that screwed himself up in October. Bing, bingo. But <laughs> it's funny. Like everybody's like surprised like Jack Ma is a member of uh, the Communist Party. Jack mm. Ma's family was in Jongnanhai. They were in there with the Communist Party leadership. That's who Jack Ma's family is. Of course he's Communist How much party. does that help him uh, succeed? How much? Well, it, it, so what, what's happened like here— What is the benefits so, of the so, membership so card? If you, if, you, if you follow the Chinese Communist Party's history, Mao was you know, destroyed the economy— you know, he, he had a cult of personality. So when Deng Xiao, when he dies and Deng Xiaoping takes over, he said, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to have collective. Yeah. Uh, so, so they had basically um, the, the, um, the, the top, say, nine leaders were the ones that made collective decisions. They didn't make it alone. And, and the reason they built it that way is because there's factions within the party and they had to all basically agree. And so that's what Deng Xiaoping brought. Well, you know, fast forward to now Xi Jinping, there's one guy. And so basically we're back to this this cult of Mao. So but there's still that those those different factions within the party that are vying for control. And so this is what's going on right now with 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 Xi Jinping is this one party rule. So if you're one guy and you're not willing to take any kind of criticism, what does that create? And this is where I think our, our advantage is going to come, because what's going to happen. And I saw this in 2000 um, in 2019 when he um, or 2017, when he um, became the sole leader for life, basically. Uh, I said, that's it. That's the end. That is the end. And if you look at the speech that, that you talked about, yep. this breaking heads yep. and and blood will flow. That's Xi Jinping. Xi Jinping is going to take the Chinese Communist Party in a bad in, in a bad direction because it's going to be very militaristic. You know, you want to talk about um, what they're doing. They're building, you know, nuclear weapons. They're building hypersonic weapons. They're building. I mean, it, it, it is a it is a military buildup. The likes the world has never seen is going on right now in China. Tell, tell, tell us about hypersonic weapons. <laughs> 
So I, when I was a defense attaché in Beijing, I sent a couple of my guys down to, um, to southern China to uh, a, what was called a hypersonics conference in Xiamen, Xiamen, China. And uh, they, <laughs> they go down there. And um, th- there's like 700 Chinese in a room listening to a NASA scientist talk about how to build hypersonic missiles. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you what I just pulled up. Okay, go to Google, type in hypersonic weapons. Hypersonic weapons fly at least five times the speed of sound. Have, uh, let me say, did you hear what I just said? Mm-hmm. They fly five times the speed of sound, have unpredictable flight paths, and are expected to be very difficult to defend against. The Department of Defense is developing hypersonic weapons and technologies with support from other agencies. So they're spending time learning from America on how to build hypersonic weapons. <laughs> so the guys go up to the NASA scientists and they're like, do you guys know what you're doing? I'm like, yeah, it's science. <laughs> you're teaching the enemy to build missiles that are going to be targeted at us. I'm like, what are you talking Who, about? How, how is that not lo- like, how do people logically not understand that? Like, what? I, I, like who even approves it, 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 that? It, it, but what I'm trying to say is who even approves that meeting? Oh, so, I mean, so, you know, technically at the time it wasn't okay for a NASA scientist to go over there themselves. And so what they did is they arranged for some kind of contract. So they go mm-hmm. over as a contractor, not really as a, a NASA official. But, I mean, they're basically scientists that work for NASA. And so this is, so this is what is going on across our country. And this is, you know, what I tried to talk about in, in my book. So, so here's a random question. Somebody just posted this comment and it makes me think about this. So who gets credit for China, for opening up China? Who gets credit? Who's the president? Wasn't everybody it Nixon? Gets, Nixon. Yeah, everybody Nixon. says Nixon, 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 right? When he created, hey, we have to open up China because it's going to be good for competition, et cetera, et cetera. Looking back now, 40 years later, whatever the timeline is later. 70 years later. Nixon? 70 years later. No, 50 years later. What year was he? It was 1972. Yeah, it was 50 years later. 50 years, years right. later. No. Yeah. You'd be 60 if it was seven years later. <laughs> I just you're, look good for you're my age. You're not 60. You're, you're 40, buddy. You're, you're 40. Looking good no, actually, not 40. I have to start saying mid to late 30s is what I say. When I talk to girls, 39. I try to introduce them to I said, I think it's mid yet. to late 30s. Yeah. So, uh, I act uh, like I'm 29. <laughs> so going back to it. So Nixon, at the time when he did it, okay, did he have enough intel about this country or was China an innocent nation to like, listen, I think this can be a good opportunity for the country. What would you say about look, that? Look, at the time, China was a backwater, and we were concerned about the Soviet Union. So the whole point of Nixon going to China was really to take down the Soviet Union. So at the time, it made strategic sense. What didn't make sense is that fast forward from 1972 to 1989, and you have Tiananmen Square. George H.W. Bush is now the president. George H.W. Bush could have stopped this. China at that time, less than a trillion-dollar economy, right? Still a backwater. They'd gotten some technology from us, but we could have cut them off there. No, what did he do? He sent uh, Brent Scrocroft back, the national security advisor, back on a secret mission to China in August. There's pictures of him shaking hands with Deng Xiaoping in Beijing. And so what happened? We basically said, um, you know, Soviet Union was collapsing. You know, Eastern Europe was becoming democratic. Tiananmen Square happened. The Chinese Communist Party. So what they did— the, the party leadership, and this is revealed in, in documents called the Tiananmen Papers. So what happened was the Communist Party leadership got together. They've been studying what's going on with the Soviet Union, Glasnost, Perestroika, and they're saying, uh, we, don't like it, but we don't like this, and we're seeing the collapse of the Soviet Union, and we don't want that to happen to us. So there's three things that they, that they come to the conclusion in this, in this enclave. And there's, in the Tiananmen Papers is really speeches that they're giving, like, Communist Party leadership is giving to each other at Zhongnanhai, which is kind of their leadership enclave. And they say three things. One, they say 
Tiananmen is not about our students. Tiananmen, the Americans caused this. They, the Americans are causing the uprising in Tiananmen, which was totally bullshit. Number two, we um, need the Americans. We need, uh, we need technology. We need innovation. We need talent. And we need, most importantly, we need capital. We need money. And, and, and so we have to stay open to them. But, but we can't allow democracy or democratic ideas to come into the country. So we have to build a system to prevent that. And number three, if the party ever becomes separated from the people, that we will lose. So from, from June 4th, 1989 on, the party makes a pivot, and we basically keep playing the same game, even though the so Soviet Union is disintegrating. So at that point is really where I say we, we made a big mistake. It's not Nixon. Um, now, uh, who profited from that uh, trip in 1972, Kissinger did, and Kissinger has long been um, the voice to American presidents about how to deal with China. Go look at how much money Kissinger has made from the Chinese Communist Party, and, th and then you'll start to understand how much our, uh, millions, millions. In what ways? He gets access to the White House. Is he saying feedback that benefits America long term, or does he is he giving He's feedback? On so, and this is this is the way the the party does it. Just like I said, she goes to Davos. He's carrying the message of the party to the president, right? This is so. If you deal with the Chinese in this way, they'll be much they'll be much easier to deal with, right? So wow. let me let me give you an example. When I when I got to the Pentagon and I was so starting to be trained as a military diplomat because I was going to go to uh, be the defense attaché. Um, I started, you know, starting to work with the diplomatic corps and starting to understand what we were saying. What, what are our policy statements to um, the Chinese Communist Party? What are our talking points? And I started and I also had to work with the People's Liberation Army, which is the, the Chinese Communist Party's armed uh, military. And I'm talking to the PLA guys and then I'm talking to my own diplomats and I'm talking to the PLA guys. and I'm talking to my own diplomats and I'm like, these guys are saying the same thing these guys are. Why are these guys saying the exact why aren't these guys saying something different? And that's when I realized that they the, the Chinese Communist Party had basically captured the narrative. And so what the way they do that is by using academics in the United States who are considered Chinese experts to deliver the talking points of the Chinese Communist Party. So if you understand how policy is made in D.C., these academics are called on by the State Department, by the administration. Tell us about China. You, you go to travel to China a lot. You talk to the Chinese Communist Party, Party officials. What's the best way to deal with China? And the academics will say, well, mm. you need to do this. And the Chinese Communist Party is saying, you need to do this. Let me ask you a question. When Kissinger is having those meetings with the Chinese Communist Party and is relaying that information back to U.S., is Kissinger having those meetings privately by himself, or is anybody from the team of the White House accompanying him? No, no, it's him. So, right, so him by so himself. It's, it's him by himself, or his people. None of no. There's no government people there. This is, and this, by the way, this happens at all no, no, all but, the time but, but, at all wait, levels. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, so you mean to tell me Kissinger goes and negotiates on behalf of U.S.? No, 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 no. He goes over and he has meetings. And um, what is his role at the time when he's doing this? Just as a private citizen, right? So, so, the, so the way he makes money is by consulting for, for corporations, for okay. Chinese corporations yep. and other um, – and, and U.S. corporations, mostly U.S. corporations who are trying to work in China, but also uh, some – there is some China. 
and he goes over and, and they just have discussions. You know, how's the relationship going, you know, between Beijing and Washington, D.C.? You know, how can we make it better? We want to make it better because we want to have better business, right? We want to, yeah. we want everybody getting along. And then, the, and then the Chinese Communist Party said, well, if the, if the, if you could just get the administration to do this, then everything would be great. That's it. I get that. So, are you saying that when he was doing that, China was paying him off to? No, no, no. He's getting paid by other companies. But how does he get into China? How does he get to see Xi Jinping? How does, 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 how does China Kissinger... trust Henry? Does Does China trust Kissinger? Yeah, because he's the deliver, the, delivering their message. Who Who, who is he in? In, in, in uh, I guess the, what I'm trying to find out is, who is he trying to protect more, U.S. or China, or is his, his own pockets? Well, I mean, you'd have to ask him, but I would say he's he's been he's and in this <laughs> is Kissinger still alive. So, so he is. So um, th this is a conversation me and my wife had. Like, okay, I'm going to take this path, and I'm going to be very clear about who I am and what I stand for, and um, and that's one path. Uh, the other path that people like me take when they leave office is to take the path of Kissinger, which is I'm going to go consult for companies. I'm going to like. Like Lieberman, who does he talk? Uh, who does he consult for? ZTE, right? There's a lot of you them. Mean Joe like, Lieberman. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who does uh, uh, Admiral? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, one of the one of the four stars, um, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Who does he consult for? Huawei. So you know that's a way that you can basically take your time in government and and basically become very very wealthy, and that is how, for the most part, the last you know 30 years are. <laughs> People me, that senior leaders leaving yeah. the U.S. government, yeah. four stars, State Department officials. Um, uh, here, here's a good one. Um, ambassador Bacchus, you know, the ambassador. Um, he, he's basically now he if you go watch him, go watch his talking points. It's the same talking points as the Chinese yeah. Communist Party. This is what's going on. So so when you say, oh, I don't know anything about China, whenever you hear something about China, mm -hmm. what message are you hearing? Who's talking? The Chinese Communist Party is talking. What's the face? The face is a senior, respected American who is considered to be a China expert. Yeah, first of all, I would do a couple things here. Number one, uh, if you work for the U.S. government, you have to sign the ultimate non-compete that you cannot work for XYZ for 20 years. You just can't. I, I'm not going to put you in a government position in the U.S. Uh, why would I put you in but, a government but, but hold on, Patrick. Yeah. What if Nike comes and hires you? I want you. I want you to make sure that relations between the two countries are good, so I can sell Nikes. No, no. What I'm trying to tell you is, you can't get a job where your role has to do with the following countries, and and improving those relations with those countries. You can't. You don't want the job. Don't get the job. But I'm. But I'm going to tell you why. Why am I going to compromise the future of America for your pockets? Look, there's a couple things here too. That's to, what DC is. You know what Billy Graham once did? I, interesting story about Billy Graham. So Billy Graham, you, you know, at that time when all these pastors were being targets and they were getting caught with girls on the side, all this other stuff, they made a decision that when they stayed at hotels, they stayed with three, not with twos. Why three? Everybody's like, why are you staying at a hotel with threes? Here's why. He says, because if it's me and another guy, we can convince each other to do something stupid. But if it's three of us, one of us will say it's probably a bad idea. Even a Billy Graham, who is like 210 million people he's baptized in his lifetime, spoken all over the place, even he couldn't trust the fact that he may get tempted, right? First of all, if I'm hiring anybody to go out there and negotiate on behalf of the country, you ain't doing it by yourself. 
I'm putting three different people when you're going and you're being an ambassador. Those other two, you guys can't be friends. Like, if let's just say you and Adam are buddies going 20 years, you're definitely not going to China to negotiate together. I'm going to put you on a team with Kai. You don't know Kai. And I'm going to add a third person that the three of you guys may not necessarily agree. You're going to go and negotiate. And the entire time, you guys need to be together. But if you work for the U.S. government, you are not, you're going to have a 20-year non-compete. If the CIA has stories, like, you know, the whole story with Argo? When Argo came out, you know, the movie Argo yep, with yep, Ben Affleck. Yep. They knew that story for a long time, but they couldn't do the 30-year rule. 30 years later, they could make the movie and tell the story. I think we need some kind of a 20-year well, okay, rule it's here. Amazing okay, idea. Okay, Who's so, implementing that? Okay. Dude, what I'm trying to say is why so, the hell so, would you have your uh, so, people so that have all now these assets? You've only got part of it. Yeah. You've only got part of the equation. Now let me give you the other part. This company wants to sell stuff in China. Big company, corporation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nike. $200 billion a year uh, valuation. Yeah. They see things happening in Washington, D.C. that impacts their business in China. What do they do? They hire a PR firm. They hire a lobbying firm. They hire a law firm in okay. Washington, D.C. Yep. Uh, what do those guys do? They begin to go and talk to the government. So who lobbies in Washington, D.C. for the Chinese Communist Party? Who it's, lobbies it's, it's not, for? It's not, not just about the think tank guys. Who is lobbying in Washington, D.C. for the Chinese Communist Party, the biggest lobby? Who is? The U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the business community of America. That's who money lobbies. Money talks. Follow the money is what you're saying. Follow the money. Yeah, so, so I don't know. L you know, this makes me very uncomfortable, but at the same time, it doesn't make me that comfortable. I've sat in the meetings and listened, yeah. and I've, I've actually questioned the, the representatives. I'm like, who do you represent? Do you represent an American corporation? Yeah. Do you represent no. the Chinese Communist Party? This, 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 this is very, hang on one second. Oh, this is very basic. First of all, you know, guidelines on who you can accept money from, period. You, you, there has to be guidelines on who you, as an organization like U.S. Chamber of Commerce, who you can accept money from. I'm, I'm checking well, to see who— The U.S. Chamber of Commerce is responsive to their members. Who are their members? Corporate America. What did corporate America say? Don't screw with our business in China. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, and but, Nike but, just came out and said, we're a brand of China. We love China. China. We're a brand for China. So that's exactly what you're talking that's about. That's exactly what I'm— So people don't—the problem is— uh, Money uh, over country? Patrick, I don't know. people FTM. do not money understand how uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, yeah, works. I'm talking about money You, over you don't know how to Washington, D.C. works. That's the problem. People think— This is why that, they call it the swamp. It is. This I'm is exactly you. why they're calling and it the And it's swamp. not because people hate the country, right? These people are—you brought up McConnell and, uh, and Biden— they are convinced that the best thing for the country is to have this relationship with China. They and 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 why and, 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 why, why are they convinced well, of that? Because the they because close, they, they close, no 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 no, okay. no they believe that globalization the internet will eventually lead China to becoming a democracy like us. Well, That's he says it all the time. Open up the social media. Bring in YouTube. Bring in. Uh, Instagram, bring in Facebook, then we can talk. You've said that how many times, Pat? Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, many times. But but here's here's and we've talked about this before. Here's my thing, though. First of all, let's go through priorities. Okay, so let's just say if I'm recruiting you to work for the U.S. government, what's above anything? The country is above anything. So if you're going to go faith, family, business, let's just say God is number one. If the, you know, military, you swear oath. You know, you're going to be president. You put your hand on the Bible. Okay, let's pay faith. But next is what? You got your family, let's just say, but country, what are we doing? Like some of these do, things do, to do, me would do, be contract. Do you know how many people I know 
who have our senior people in government to have a family member that has either worked or is working in China? How many? Lots. Percentage. Lots. At a very high, and we're talking at a very high level of the government. They have you know, a brother. They have some family member that is working in China. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, I mean, this, this mm-hmm. McConnell's sister-in-law yeah. is on the board. No, no. That's the dad. No. His sister-in-law is on the board of the Bank of China. Well, what about his wife? McConnell's wife. Well, Trump calls her wife's all father. But listen to what you said. Say yeah, that one more time. Sister-in-law on, sits on the ban- board, board of board Bank of the China. the Bank of China. Sister-in-law. So, but, but here's, let me, let me go back to my argument of the last few years of why a guy like Trump was hated so much. Okay. Go to presidents who didn't have a need for money. What happened to those guys? Go to presidents who are true believers or didn't have a need for money where you couldn't buy them. Lincoln, you couldn't buy him. What happened to Lincoln? We know how that ended up. Mm-hmm. Kennedy, you couldn't buy him. What happened to him? We know how that ended up. Reagan had his own money. You couldn't control him. You couldn't buy him. We know how that almost ended up a couple inches away with how that ended he was up. Killed. Almost, almost killed. Trump, Shot. Trump didn't need money. Mm-hmm. He created enemies. We know how he ended up. By the way, he may have not gotten assassinated, but he got character assassinated. The, 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 there there was ways. another guy. There was another guy that, that I actually voted for, and that's Perot. I, I really, really was... I was sad to see him drop out, and then I think he really could have been something. Oh, I don't disagree. I, I think he, he could have created a whole new generation of people yep. that would have gone in the, the middle. We needed a third party at the time. He was a guy that got closest to it. 1992. No, but but the, but the part the part that scares the hell out of somebody when you when you think about you're dealing with these government guys, these are people that are making $100,000, $150,000 a year. What the hell is $150,000 a year? Nothing. So you offer $150,000. This is why. Who's easier to bribe, college players or NBA players? College players are the I'll government. You, I'll give you the number. That college I, players are government. I'll NBA. give you the number that I heard. Yeah. The, the, the number that I heard going rate, uh, stepping out of $150,000 a year job was $800,000 a year. To do what? To, to basically speak on behalf of... So we're going to 5x your wait, salary. Wait, wait, wait. Say this one more time. $800,000. To do what? To basically go back and interface. To sell, out. to sell out. How does that money be transferred to you? How's that money paid to you? Through some kind of private entity. It's like a, it's like a uh, friends of, you know, that's friends. That's the freaking easy part. Yeah. I mean, that's. It, let, me, let, me, let me give you a crazy thing here. Let's go 20 years from now. Let's go 20 years from now. It's 2041. Okay. Yeah. 2041. Um, and you know how, for me, when I look at investments, you'll sit down with a client, you'll say, hey, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, if you put this million dollars in this account, if it does 12% in the next 40 you know, years, your money's going to double every six years. This million dollars is going to be this much money. But at 8% it's going to be this. At 6% it's going to be this. Worst case scenario, if shit hits the fan, we do 4%. Your money's going to double every 18 years. Da-da-da-da-da. Okay, whatever. Great. Take compound interest, but with power, not money. Take today with the way compound interest works, with power and influence, not money. 20 years from now, the compounding effort of China, what does the world look like 20 years from now? If we don't stop it, what's going to happen is, and, and I've already you know, spoken to people about this, what, what will happen is people will begin to educate their children. These are the things you can say. These are the things that you can't say. Um, in I w- China you're talking no, about? No, in the U.S. No, in the U.S. In the U.S. Yes. In the U.S., um, because what will happen is, you know, just like I talk about Roy Jones in my book, you, you, you say the wrong thing, you'll get fired. 
from your job. You won't get a you won't get into the good school. You won't get into uh, you won't get the good job. Uh, you won't be able to get a loan. It, it, you'll basically be cut out of the mm-hmm. society. No. So this is what you know. So uh, one of the guys that was um, air attaché for um, uh, People's Liberation Army, and you know, talking to his family. Um, the kid got here, I think, when he was nine, maybe, and then he grew up in in U.S. schools uh, to the age of fifteen. So as it game time for they know they have to go back to China, then the mom has to say to him, um, "These are the things you cannot say when we go back home." And you know, and, and the reason I know this because she's telling my she's she's telling my wife, I'm really concerned because he has grown up in the system. So and he doesn't yeah. understand that he can't say these things. It's not okay, and it will be very bad for him. And so that's the world that we are producing, and and it's a world that you know as we get closer to China, and we start to basically. Uh, achieve that kind of control of the narrative, that narrative where there's th- you, you can say just about anything, but if you get over here, you're out. That's where we're headed. And so you're, you, it will be a world where you train, your, you train your kids not to say things that will damage your business, damage your reputation, uh, make sure that they can't get into school because you, you want your kids to succeed, right? So the ultimately, ultimately it's going to be there's going, you know, if it continues, we're going to have a single-party system here in the United States, and people will, just like Jackie Chan, want to be in that party because if you're not in that party, you're not going to have a job. I mean, it's the same. It's a classic authoritarian system that this is how you start to migrate to just one party is in control and that's what our founding fathers were terrified of and by the way that's why i quit the u.s military because i i realized that you know there's no way there's no way that the military can do anything about this it's really about data and information and control of the narrative and since we don't control our information we don't control our data since the Chinese Communist Party has all of it. And oh, by the way, the Chinese leadership basically told this to Trump. They said, hey, we own all the data. We own your data. We own our data. You guys are done. We're gonna, our AI is going to be way better than yours. You can sell us energy. You can sell us food. You can sell us raw materials if, if you do what we say. You don't do what we say, we're going to cut you out. And so that's the Belt and Road Initiative. Social. Will we be able to have the same voice that we have? Will we be able to say what we're saying today? Will social media be the same 20 years from now? Will, will, this, be- you, will this video stay up on That's YouTube? the question, what you're thinking. Like, you think it's going to get to that point. Okay, but we're not there yet. No, so, so the great thing that, that, that I see happening, and it's really accelerated in, uh, in, in 2020 uh, with the coronavirus, uh, and now in the 2021 with the buildup of China's military, and the breaking heads and the blood will flow, now people see, like, mm-hmm. oh, I got it. I got what's going on. My hope, and, and it goes back to 2017 when she became the ultimate leader, my hope is that he is so much like Mao that we will wake up and then we'll say, okay, we've got to stop. We've got to come out of our slumber, and we've got to fix the system. We've got to, we've got to protect our system. We have to rebuild it, all the, all the economic, you know, the, the, the technological, the innovation, the capital. We need to invest like I was just talking to um, the, the, the California Employee Retirement System, all the chief investment officers, and I said, do you, Cal- Calsters, do you invest in your own community? No. Why? Where are you investing? We're investing in China. This is one of the biggest retirement systems in the United States. They don't have a program to invest in their own communities. 
this this is this is a funnel. You remember Perot's giant sucking sound? This is a the giant sucking sound is all the capital that's flowing in through Hong Kong into China, and not going in to build manufacturing, to build businesses. I mean, that's what's going on. You know, you know, it's crazy. All these policies when they said, "Oh, we're going to come out with, uh, you know, we're going to give trillions of dollars. We should give people money. Let's right. give people money. Oh, we should do that. Okay, great. So you gave the money, right? And the guy, I don't know who the money manager was. The guy's a ten billion dollar guy. He says last year was my biggest year of creating wealth ever in my right, life. Right. He says, I'm so rich right now, right. I can't even tell you. He says, don't I'm even so know much what money. Do it at all. He says, what's crazy, what people don't realize, all that money that they gave to low- and middle-income families all flowed to the rich people. Yep. Because the low- and middle-income families don't have the right habits of what to do with the they money. Go. Right? It's going to go up. What ended up also happening, fast forward to June of 2021, inflation is now up 5.4%, Yep. 13-year high. Used car prices. I don't know if you saw that or not. Mm-hmm. The average car right now, if you want to buy it, brand was $40,000. The average used car price went up 30% in the last 12 months, meaning mm-hmm. some people bought a car that is worth more today than 12 months ago when they bought it because these micro, you know, these chip shortages right. that they're having. Yep. Yep. And even Ford just announced they're going to produce 1.1 million fewer cars. It's going to cost for $2.5 billion. These are numbers that you're looking at. So many, many times you sit there and you look at these policies and like, oh, my gosh, these noble guys, what they're doing, how, how amazing it is how they're looking out for me. I think people gradually, and I like the fact that you're saying, because when you say people are starting to realize what these people are all about, all about these, how close he is to Mao, what American president can get away with that? If an American president said, Can't. if anybody tries to do this to us, we're going to break their skulls. Their heads. What would happen if an American? You can't say something like can't that. Can't say it. And it's never been said like that. And, and you can't go against the Chinese Communist Party. We saw that when when Trump went against the party, he lost. Period. When, oh, when Trump went against what? the party, when, when he, I mean, yeah, his, that, his that, biggest that, that, sin was to go against China. That's his biggest sanctions sin. after sanctions after yeah. tariffs after tariffs Big after bingo. tariffs. Can we talk about this reparations? Yeah, that's where I'm going right now. Okay. So, a poll: almost two thirds of American people believe. China should pay reparations for the pandemic. This is a tip inside stories. Nearly two-thirds of America believe mm-hmm. the Chinese regime should pay reparations for the destruction caused by the human coronavirus pandemic, according to a tip poll conducted for the Center for Security Policy. That number rises from 63% to 78% if, if investigations reveal that the Chinese government released the SARS-CoV-19 human coronavirus to, uh, on purpose. Uh, while Southerners and Midwesterners are most likely to think that the Chinese government created the virus and is responsible for un- unleashing the pandemic, people in a more liberal Northeast are the toughest when it comes to making China pay reparations if an investigation reveals an accidental release from a government lab. The American people are taking an increasingly hard line toward the Chinese regime. Mm-hmm. That's, that's some progress right there. These people are starting to realize. Right. Yeah, may- but you, you, maybe- can't, you can't collect. There, there's no way you can. Oh, that was my question. How do you collect you, on these reparations? Uh, what are you going to do? Collect from them? Absolutely not. There's no way in the world you're going to be able to collect from those guys. So what's the point of even running a poll like this then? Well, it's good to run a poll like this because it tells you where the pulse of America is today. Yeah. This is actually very good to see that. Collecting it, completely different okay, story. Okay, so here's another question. It's what if you think about? cancel debt, though? Because they, obviously they're That's holding treasury bonds and stuff like that. What if you null and void some of those? That Obviously you can't go to them and have them pay up. But how would that? Let be me ask you a question. You tell me what president's going to have the audacity to do that with them? No, that's a different story. You tell me what president will have the audacity well, to do that? Well, I mean, that. so so what's going to happen is J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, all yeah. all these big hedge funds that have money invested in China, gonna, you're killing my. I'm going to have to take, do a restatement. We can't do this. You, so 
what would happen is you would have widespread re revolt, which is what you had over the tariffs. But, you know, um, you had a guy there that, as you said, Patrick, he didn't he didn't need the money. So he could say whatever he wanted. I'd like to see a world poll on this exact thing. Right. I mean, America alone can't solve this China issue. This needs to be a collective world solution. Right. So two thirds of Americans are close to 78 percent. Uh, if they find out that the Chinese government released the uh, COVID um, on purpose, I'd like to see a world poll on this. I mean, what are your thoughts on the well, world I mean, so, coalescing I mean, look, around look, this? Look, everything that we're talking about today, you can repeat the pattern in, in Europe. You can repeat the pattern in Asia. What you have is a slow movement towards authoritarianism everywhere. And it really was precipitated <laughs> by the coronavirus. The coronavirus is the best you know, information op that's ever been uh, executed mm -hmm. on, on a global basis by anybody. And it was with the, um, the, the, the full knowledge of our, our health industry, uh, which includes our pharmaceutical companies, which includes the World Health Organization, which includes the CDC. If you look at Fauci's emails, I mean, it's all there. It's all there. It was all about promoting the narrative that the Chinese Communist Party wanted, right? Lockdown, stop the coronavirus in its mm -hmm. tracks. Where's the data coming from? It comes from China. <laughs> Are you kidding me? General Spalding, this is the personal question I was going to ask you earlier. I assume you're getting some sort of pushback, threats, uh, you know, uh, something. Uh, 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 I mean, what's going on personally? I am, uh, so the people that support me do it um, quietly. They don't do it in the open because... Um, you mean you in know, the government or where? Yeah. Okay. In the government, um, and, and and those that used to be in the government, and there's you know, look, I get um, I get you know kind of emails and messages every single day saying you keep doing what you're doing, you're doing the right thing, but nobody's going to come out in 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 public and mm -hmm. and say hey, thanks, you know, this is what I'm saying is really our system is corrupt. And it's and because it's corrupt, the Chinese Communist Party have taken control. Because if it's corrupt, that means you can buy it. And if you can buy it, who's got the most money to buy it? Not the Russians. Yeah. What about threats? Are you receiving threats? No, and I, I don't think I would. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be that way. It would just you know. Proxy. Remember what, what proxy is. Mm -hmm. Proxy is not direct threats. Mm -hmm. Proxy works in a different way. They they. They will find a different way to to hurt you long term. Mm -hmm. well, so Iran, that you're very familiar yeah. with, is the you know king of proxy. They got Hezbollah and Hamas and the. Middle I mean, you East saw what happened with the journalist, the Iranian journalist uh, recently. Yep. I don't know if yep. you saw the story or not. What happened with her? How uh, you know uh, FBI Iranian intelligence operatives plotted to kidnap U.S. journalists, and she was on the mm -hmm. news all over the place yesterday. You know, a federal grand jury in Manhattan has indicted an Iranian intelligence officer and three alleged members of an Iranian intelligence network with plotting to lure a U.S. journalist and human rights activist from New York to Iran. Authorities announced on Tuesday the plot was part of a wider plan to lure three individuals in Canada and a fifth person in the United Kingdom to Iran. All of the targeted victims had been critical of Iran, including Masi Ali Najad of Brooklyn, a journalist, author, and human rights activist who has publicized the government of Iran's human rights abuses. According to the indictment, the FBI has identified the Iranian intelligence officer who remains a fugitive as Ali Reza Shavorhi Farahni, uh, 50 years old, and three other defendants, Mahmoud Hussein, uh, 42, another guy named Kia, 35, Omid Nouri, 45, tried since at least June 2020 uh, at, to kidnap the U.S. citizen of Iranian origin who lived in Brooklyn, indictment says. So, you know, look, there's a there's a... There's a couple different things here. I'm talking to this guy who wrote the book 2034, and I said to him, I said, you know, 
everybody's telling other people what they should do to help save America. Everybody's telling other people, you should do something, you should do something, you should do something, you should do something, right? Nobody wants to be the person and the voice. Why? So actually process that. Let's actually process that together. So everybody is saying, when is somebody going to rise up? When, when is somebody going to rise up and want to help defend this great nation? Why don't you do it? Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> not. Really, bro, it's just not, I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, but not me. I'm just trying to live a normal life. But somebody should rise up and somebody should do this. Okay. That's what Pitbull was saying, by the way. Yeah. So in other words, that's Dolly. what Pitbull was saying. He's saying, Bezos, put up your money. You're from Cuba. Look what right, America's He called out for Bezos. You. Right, he did. Yeah. So, and by the way, Bezos, if he really wanted to, he can really make a big positive impact. But he's got bigger enemies that hate him so much that if he even hurt him, a guy named Bernie Sanders and AOC would come to him double time, ten times what they've done to get him out of New York. So he knows who his enemies are. His enemies are Sanders and AOC, and they're not going to uh, slow down if he does anything to Cuba. But going back to it, so yes, is it worth fighting for? Yes. But at what cost? That's people's biggest question today. Well, I mean, go back to um, the, the founding of America uh, it wasn't the majority of the people. It was a few people that got together, and they pledged their life, liberty, and sacred honor to basically destroy tyranny in the United States. Now, they did not have the support of the populace. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it was not like 60% of the people were— No, it was a minority. It was, like the it was a minority it, right? that basically um, that, that, that threw, overthrew the King of England in the United States. So— it's going to take people that really want to see a nation preserved that is, you know, about a dream. It's about a dream where no person, no group, no party can attain ultimate power, which means that you as an individual can continue to have a voice. And what, we're, what we see today is the destruction of that society from within. Now, it's interesting to note that most societies collapse around the 250, 240 uh, year point. And so we're there. I mean, and so will we survive this? I think it takes commitment by people, and it's really commitment by people like you, by people like Pitbull that said, holy shit, I came to this country because I was leaving something that was terrible. I want to see this thing preserved for my, my family. And the great thing about America is as long as we can do that, we're going to constantly be— uh, restored, renewed, and that's because people are going to want to come to this country and they're going to want to fight for it. You know, the people that have fought in America's wars are primarily immigrants. They're not, they're not, they weren't born here. A lot of them were, were, came here to be free, and they were willing to put their life up. And why? Not, not just for them, for their kids, right, to have, to have a better life. The reason people come to America is to give a better life to their kids, even the people that are coming across the southern border right now. Unfortunately, we haven't figured out that they're the people that actually think well of this country. Mm -hmm. The people that are immigrating to this country are the ones that think well of it. The people that have been here a long time don't think well of it. And that's why I appreciate immigrants so much, because it's, it's, it's how we renew a devotion to a document that was created by inspired individuals who had looked at every government that existed in, in, in past human history and said, we have to create something that doesn't enable somebody to gain power. The problem today, the, the great problem today with, with our government and our Constitution, we didn't anticipate the Internet. And we didn't un anticipate the power of being able to collect data about somebody and then use that data to influence them. What am I talking about here? I'm talking about the Internet. I'm talking about this ability. So 
you know, these platforms, these social media platforms are used to mine data about you in order to influence your consumer behavior. What the Chinese Communist Party saw is not only can I inter- uh, influence your consumer behavior, I can also influence your social and political behavior. Other companies or other other people have seen this as well. So you had Cambridge Analytica, but you also have parties using Facebook to begin to control the narrative. So they, they buy ads. This this thing that Silicon Valley built, this extra, enormously profitable machine that Silicon Valley built, was you know ideally suited to usurp or undermine democracy, and we didn't understand it. When when we when Clinton said we need to bring China in the WTO and we need to ensure that um, you know because they're going to try to control the internet, but they can't. It's going to be like sticking jello to the wall. What he didn't understand was the Chinese Communist Party had studied the internet and said, okay, we can take this, we can control it, and we can use it to control the narrative. We, they, they built the model, and then now they're exporting it. Now they're exporting it to the world. And so it just so happens that the way that you do that is to create these tight corporate relationships and then use, use the fact that they want to be in China, Nike wants to be in China, to use them to support your effort to control the narrative. So who does Nike speak for? They speak for the Chinese Communist Party. Why do they speak for the Chinese Communist Party? Because they want to sell shoes in China. It's simple. It's, 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 it was when I saw this in 2014 and I started to realize what was going on, that's when that started this effort to really understand it. But more importantly, I realized that the way that we think about it, what we're talking about here is war. I was trained in the classical sense, in the Western sense, that says you use weapons to get a political outcome. I never understood that there's this whole other way of looking at it that says you use politics to get a political outcome. You use politics. And what is, what is, the, what is the weapon of politics? It's money. It's, it's control Follow of the, the narrative. It's, it, it, it really is. And we, we, America, created this world, this one world system, where we thought that in doing so we would be able to export democracy. And what's happened is we created the perfect system to, to control the narrative as demonstrated by what's going on here in the United States. And the Chinese Communist Party just copied it. That's what they do. They copy things. So you say, this is a tremendous tool. I'm going to use that. And so me, you know, in Kosovo, it's a good example. I was, ma- I was planning missions in Kosovo. How did we... How did Late we, 90s? Yeah. How did we, 1999, right? April of 99. Yeah. So how do we stop Milosevic? Slobodan Milosevic. Yeah. How do we Serbia, stop Milosevic? Croatia, I'll, I'll tell you how we did. Um, the first 40, the B-2 flew every single day. We were dropping JDAMs, Joint Direct Attack Munition, GPS-guided bombs. We had every, every GPS-guided bomb in the U.S. inventory was shipped to Whiteman Air Force Base. We were flying every single night. And the first 45 days of the war, we're hitting um, uh, ammo bunkers, we're hitting empty barracks because we had an Army guy in charge of, um, uh, in charge of the war. In the last two weeks, we had put together a team, you know, to analyze the the, the networks, right? The networks that um, that existed that were supporting Milosevic. And then we started to hit their assets. The war was over in two weeks, and so in 2014, when I'm sitting there in the Pentagon, I'm looking at this. I'm like. Okay, they took this company, and they took this company, and they took this company, and took this company. They weren't using JDAMs. They were using they were they, they, they were using a little bit of cyber, but mostly 
how do I undermine this company so I can take it over, so I can buy it, so I can, so I can have it go bankrupt and I can grab the assets? And I'm looking, I'm looking at this thing pattern over and over and over again. Like this is exactly what we did mm-hmm. with Kosovo, mm-hmm. except I did it from a V2, and that's when I said, "We're we're in a totally different game here." The airplane was designed to be the perfect weapon, and and there was there was theorists that, that thought about this. It's like you know, you can take it and you go after a single target. That's what the B2 is. That's what the United States built, but. The ultimate weapon turns out it's it's much better to have control over individual thoughts than it is to drop a bomb from an airplane. Why? Warden John Warden, who was the the, um, the strategist behind the Iraq War, he has this book, uh, and he talks about the five his five rings theory. One of the rings is the people. What he says is you never ever ever go after the people remember he's talking about dropping bombs why because if you bomb people they tend to get mad at you not at their government right what mm-hmm. happened in berlin what Powerful. happened in what happened in Powerful. london right yeah. don't don't ever go after the people okay so so it turns out there's limitations to what an airplane can do with weapons but take silicon valley take the internet take what it's become you can target individuals you can begin to change their perceptions. You can begin to influence their decisions. You can do that without them knowing that that's happening. That's the perfect weapon. And that's what we created. So we, we were the first to use air, air, airplane really as a, a major weapon of war during World War II. Not World War I, in World War II, the Berlin or the, um, the, the Eighth Air Force bombed the industrial base of Germany in order to bring it to its knees. It wasn't successful, and part of the problem was it pissed the people off in Germany. But what we created, so the airplane, nuclear weapons, the Internet. I would say you know, nuclear weapons and the airplane put together the ultimate, ultimate or actually missiles, are the ultimate destructive um, weapon in terms of killing and, and destroying but in terms of actually creating, what is the reason for, that you go to war? It is to attain a political outcome. It turns out the best weapon for war is the Internet. It's because you can use it to achieve a political outcome. And we've seen that here in the United States. I guarantee you that's the way China thinks about it in terms of um, the world. And so this is, what, this is the challenge we face. The thing that we invented has now been turned against us, and we don't have an answer for it because— we're, we, we, we look at airplanes, we look at ships, we look at subs, we look at, you know, there, there's all kinds of uh, uh, channels on YouTube that talks about the weapons that we create, and people get excited about that. But I'm, let me tell you here, we can have all the weapons in the world. If, you, if your kids believe that communism is better than democracy, we've failed. And that's the direction we're headed towards. But, but question for you. So say you're the president today or you're in the ear of the president, and they're willing to listen, and you've got the right people around, you got a team, all the team, all the people that are agreeing with what you're saying, but they don't want to say anything, they can't publicly support you. Uh, how do you fight against it today? Number one, what's the route for doing that? How would you fight it as the president? Number two, how can the average person who has some influence, what can they do to help fight against it? So two, you as a leader of the world, yeah. free, leader of the free world, to the average person. So the, the national security strategy actually gets at this. One is get the Chinese Communist Party out of our system. If they're in our system, they're corrupting it, right? How do so you they, do that? 
So you basically say you're out. We had so COCOM in in the Cold War said you cannot trade with with Soviet companies. They have to be out completely out of our system. They cannot be in our economic system because they use our economic system to influence our political process. What so percentage of politicians would oppose that uh, the decision today? Um, probably most because they're incentivized by corporations who pay them so that we can stay connected. More than fifty percent. Oh, I would say so. Then, then I would say so. You just said that's not going to. Then, if that's the case, it's just not going to happen. Well, that's one. That's one of the big problems. Um, the other is um, uh, the uh, rebuild, right? So, rebuild our country. We need to put our economy on a wartime footing. And what does that mean? We need to rebuild our manufacturing base. We need to rebuild our infrastructure. All that stuff is crumbling. And oh, by the way, it'll provide jobs for Americans. And we need to invest in science and technology. And then the third is inspire. It's really inspiring other peoples and our own people to love democracy. Why do they love democracy? Because they can achieve the American dream. America is about opportunity, economic opportunity. And the problem that we have is we've given economic opportunity to China. So protect, rebuild, inspire is what the strategy is about. But unfortunately, just for the reasons that you said, you know, corporate America is, is keeping that down. The, where do people want to put their money? They want to put their money in China and manufacturing in China. They don't want to put it in Detroit. They don't want to put American, Americans to work. Okay, so there's a, there's a chief problem, uh, and you get right to it. So how do we, how do we fix this? Well, I, it's gonna, I think it's going to have to come through the political process. And what's going to have to come through the political process is this realization on both the left and the right that D.C. and, and New York have, and, and, and all the major capitals of the country have left them behind and basically aligned themselves to the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, I am a big advocate of this idea of uh, ranked choice voting. And that because, that's because I think it takes away the power of the parties to direct the candidates who get elected. So I think if you can take away the, the power of the parties to direct the candidates, then you can begin to get candidates in there that are responsive to the needs of the citizens, which is the way our system is supposed to work. I think that's, that's absolutely critical on an individual level. Get active in your community in trying to figure out how you break the back of the party. Who do you listen to? I, you know, I've, been to I've been to a number of kind of grassroots events where people are just, they're tired of getting canceled. They're tired and they can't yeah. talk. And so they start to, they just start to get together. And it's like, hey, let's talk about the issues. Just like we're talking here, we're talking about issues, right? Mm -hmm. You can't talk about issues in DC. You, you, you gotta talk about talking points and narrative. What Americans need to talk about is issues and then figure out how do they, how do they organize? And, and the guy in Alaska actually did this. I interviewed him for, for generally speaking, it was, um, it was basically taking this idea in the politics industry and, and taking it to Alaska, and it, it, got, it got voted in in 2020, and that was ranked choice voting. And so it breaks the back of the parties in Alaska, and I hear there's 10 states that are, that are considering this. So does it get the best candidate? No, but what it does say is that the party can't control who gets who gets um, who's who the candidates are, which is kind of the way Hong Kong used to be. Break down what ranked choice voting is. Is that what they just did in New York City? The that's what they, that's okay. what they're doing, and, and that's why everybody's freaking out. Mm -hmm. Both <laughs> the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. We can't do this ranked choice they voting because they can't control the candidates, yeah. right? Because you can get a guy that's like the the head of the the Brooklyn bureau who said who who's a former NYPD, and he's like, we need we need to get crime off the streets. Mm -hmm. That's his whole campaign and he platform, won. and he's winning. 
and, and probably going to win. Did he win? Or, is that official? I, I I think they're they're what they're trying to do. I, I fear is mess with the boat, right? I think they're trying let, to let me ask mess you, let me ask boat. a question. We got eight minutes left here before I, we we wrap up at eleven. Everything sounds great, but the chances of protect, rebuild, inspire, the chance of that happening, how high is that chance? I, I would say before Xi Jinping started that, almost zero percent. I think what's happening now, like, uh, like, okay, I started a business to, to, to secure the Internet. That's what I did. I had a plan in the White House. I was working in the Pentagon on it, and I took it out to the private sector. I said the only way that I can do this is in the private sector, right? Because how, how do you get Americans interested in something? You make them money, right? I've got to come up with a business model and a technology that makes people money that does things that we need. So – in this journey that I have, it's been almost three years now, in this journey, every single day I'm confronted with more funds and investors that are coming forth and saying, we want to do something for the country. We see things going in the wrong direction. We want to put our money in things that help the country, that support the country. That's what I see happening. So there's a lot of capital out there. Um, what are you going to do with capital today? I mean, what are you telling your, your, your clients? If you're staying in liquid assets, if you're staying in stocks, if you're staying in bonds, if you're staying in cash, you're stupid. With what the Fed has done with the money supply, you're not going to preserve your wealth that way. And so how do you preserve your wealth in that kind of environment? Hard assets. Hard assets, and and really, we have an opportunity here to put our economy on a wartime footing by restoring the manufacturing base and the supply chain in the United States. Because that, you over year over year, you'll be able to uh, preserve your preserve your wealth. If it's in you know, if it's in equities or bonds, I see this thing coming as a big, big, big economic disaster. In how long time frame? Uh, within five years. Yeah, no, you have, you have to realize the biggest thing is, you know, what's the word? Tentacles? Is it mm -hmm. tentacles? It's, like an octopus. Oh, buddy, it is so wide and deep right now. It's like that tree where you look above the tree and then below it's like, it's so deep. Deep roots. Try pulling that tree out. You know, you have a lot of roots that are stuck. You, you can have a heart. You're going to have to cut it instead mm -hmm. of just pulling it out. So that's not the solution. But I think, uh, I think before it gets good, uh, I think it's it is gonna get very ugly. It's gonna get ugly. Yeah, I think it's I, gonna I, get I agree. very ugly. Can I shift gears for one second? Yeah, we we've, got we've five covered, we've learned a lot. Yeah. Uh, deep respect for what you're doing, General Spalding. Uh, we're it's Thursday. We're headed into the weekend. Can we just get a little bit of good news to say? You know what? Here's something that you think about to put people in a good mood for a second because we've learned a lot and it definitely looks bleak out there. Is there anything positive that we can take away from all this? Well, I mean, look. Here, here I am. I, I, I believe in the thing. I believe in the country. I believe in the constitution. I left. I've been raised. I've been able to raise money. I've been. We've actually been able to invent a pretty cool technology, and we're getting ready to deploy it this year. I mean, we, you can still do that in America, and if you can do that, and in the, the, the way you think about the problem is to recognize the situation we face here in the United States. You can use innovation. You can use American capital. You can use your own talent to make a better world. Just in and the way I – so w with our um, – what we call the Semper Tower, I thought 
when I when I was at the White House, I thought we'd have to rip out everything. We'd have to rip out the, the all the, the the radios, the the networking gear, all the data centers, and rebuild from the ground up to make it secure. What I found I, that we could do with our you know with our hardened infrastructure is we just put one down, and and keep doing that. You keep one and one and one and one, and as you slowly build little what I would call enclaves. You begin to make the system better overall. Brick by brick, brick by, by brick, brick by brick. brick. And that's where I think that people like Patrick and and, and, and and just entrepreneurs all over the country, they can begin to think about the problem differently in their own communities and begin to do the type of things, you know, from a from an economic perspective, like a financial perspective, and think about how do I build a business that is both profitable and serves my nation and preserves the republic. I think if we begin to think that way as individuals, then we can work. Then that's the way we get out of this. It's not going to be we pick up muskets and we go uh, chase the redcoats out. That system's over. What we have here is 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 corporate America and aligned with the Chinese Communist Party and Wall Street to usurp the 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 constitutional liberties that we've been guaranteed. And the way that you get around that is to by making Main Street stronger. And if you can make Main Street stronger by by starting businesses, by growing businesses. Mm-hmm. Then I think the, that that's how we get out of this, and I think Xi Jinping's going to help us because he, he's a jerk. He, he's a, he's a jerk. So, well, I know a guy who believes that 100% of the world's problems are going to be solved by entrepreneurs. Yep. I don't know who that guy is, yep. but uh, I, I agree. Gonna, I think he's going to be all yeah. right. I think I think we, and I appreciate what you're saying and staying positive and all. I got kids, you know. My 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 idea is to constantly uplift them and hey, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. But my hopes is to also uh, give birth to the next generation of leaders who have so much courage to face off an enemy that's probably the scariest enemy we've ever had. And to realize to do that, you need to create a coalition. You need to have a group of people that are having these discussions, processing it together, and not getting distracted with just, hey, video games, drugs, party, and alcohol, all that other stuff, because that's just going to get them to win even more. We need to be more focused, determined than ever before today with our dreams, goals, influence. And uh, at the end of the day, man, this country is worth fighting for. Freedom is worth fighting for in ways I can't even describe. I will give my life for freedom in a heartbeat. This thing, uh, uh, I've lived in the other environment where you don't have it, and I tell you, it sucks. Uh, it's like a waste of a life. What are you existing for for eight years? To do what? To to. This is your fingerprint, right? Your fingerprint to the world today is what your values you're leaving behind, the legacy you're leaving behind. If you're freedom, you don't have your fingerprint being left out there to the world. We have that ability today, and I think it's a fight worth fighting for. Anyways, uh, as usual, appreciate you for coming out. Every time you're here, I get smarter, and you give a different perspective, and I think the audience loves you as usual. Mm -hmm. Folks, if you love the content today, subscribe to the channel, put a thumbs up, and go find uh, his show as well, Generally Speaking, he has his own show. There's a lot of different interviews. If you haven't watched it, Kai, let's put the link b- below in the chat box for people to find it as well, as well as in the mm-hmm. description. If you can put that in the chat box right now. And uh, we will, are we doing this again next Tuesday? Do we have it scheduled for next Tuesday or no? Next Tuesday again? Yes, sir. We will see you guys next Tuesday, same time. Take care, everybody. Bye bye, bye bye, bye bye.